Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Barbara P. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, January 8th, and we are reading from the big book. We're reading on page XXBII, the seventh paragraph, last paragraph. Of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed ending on the next page before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. So today's readers, thank you for your service, are Joni C. from Minnesota. Joni's reading our 12 steps, 12 traditions is Rick J. Readers of our text, our opening will be Tamara C. Our closing paragraph will be Crystal R. Penny E. is backing us up. We also have newcomer greeters, Jessica C. We have our host, Maria F. So thank you, everybody, for your service. Overeaters Anonymous is a... Oh, and I'm sorry, let me give you the reference number for yesterday. Yesterday's Sunday edition, reference number 21013. 21013. That's our reference number. We'll have today's reference number shortly. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'll now ask Joni C. to read our 12 steps. Good morning. This is Joni C. from Minnesota, gratefully recovered but not cured. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, 
sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Uh, thanks very much, Joni C. from Minnesota. Rick J., would you read our 12 traditions? Thank you, Barbara, for your service. I'm Rick J. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Cary, North Carolina. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose. There is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA as such ought never be organized that we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. A public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Well, thanks, Rick Jay from North Carolina. So our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press uh, star um, one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we're going to resume our study in the big book. We're on in the fourth edition paragraph X or page XXVII, that's in the doctor's opinion, seventh paragraph, of course an alcoholic ought to be freed 
And then ending on the next page, oh, it may not be on the next page, sorry, I'm in the third edition. So ending with before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. So I will ask, uh, let's see, Tamara C., would you get us started with the reading? Yes, I would love to. Thank you, Barbara, for your service. Good morning, this is Tamara C., a recovered compulsive eater in Missouri. It says, of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor, and this often requires a definite hospital procedure before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. So, of course, I ought to be free from my physical craving before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. Um, So... To me, what the doctor is saying here is that, you know, the hospital, the doctor, what they can do, this is what they can do. They can help an alcoholic get free from that physical craving. They can get it out of their system. Um, What they cannot do is treat that mental twist. Um, What what helped me when I started listening to the vision meeting, um, there were some shares that made sense to me. One was, um, if I'm getting an effect from the food, I'll miss the effect from the steps. And so that that um, clicked with me. And then um, another speaker said something to the effect of, you know, if I'm if I'm trying to work the steps and I'm not abstinent, I'm not free from that physical craving. I'll think the steps don't work. And so. Um, I uh, never had a hospital procedure to treat my physical allergy, um, but it also helped me to hear people say you can kind of put yourself in that hospitalization period um, to help yourself, you know, get abstinent and get free from that that um, physical craving so that you can work the steps. Um, the tools were really big for me. They helped me get connected with meetings and phone calls and OA retreats and the OA birthday meeting. And um, and then there were just some basic things like, you know, avoiding food situations, avoiding certain aisles in the grocery store. And I think what helped me the most was a lot of prayer. God, do for me what I can't do for myself. And little things I would say to myself, you know, you, you're okay. You know, God, thank you for freedom from this food. And then, um, you know, once I put down my food and I feel the pain, I feel the need for an effect, for that ease and comfort, then I'm willing to desperately seek um, seek the step work and to go to any lengths. And as I got into the steps, I did start getting relief. I noticed I was thinking about food less. And um, so, you know, today I I still have that need for an effect, and, and I got to get it from um, this spiritual awakening that comes in the steps. And my sponsor said to me yesterday, I get to tether my rope to God um, through through the spiritual action that I take. Thanks. I'll pass with that. Yeah, thank you very much, Tamara C., for getting us started. So now we'll go ahead. I'll take a list of names of people who'd like to share, and um, you can go ahead. I'm ready for you. Leia S. Okay, Leia S. Larry K. Larry K. 
Okay, we're going to stop right there. Let me, that's a great half dozen. We're going to start with, we've got Leah S., Larry K., Rosie W., Loretta H., Wanda R., Elise N. Hey, sis, I said Charles H. way before Rosie W. My bad. Oh, okay, didn't hear you, Charles. Okay, didn't hear you, but I'm going to put you on the end of the list. Gotcha. Okay, so you, let's see, so we've got seven of you, and then we'll take another list of names. We've got plenty of time. So let's see, Leah S., you go right ahead, and you'll be followed by Larry K. Okay, these technologies. Okay, I think I'm being heard. My name is Leah S., recovered. Good morning, everyone. Oh, wow, wow. Um... Uh, first of all, I am a recovered compulsive overeater and very glad to be here. So um, this is sort of a promise. You know, I'm not going to crave this this kind of foods or that kind of uh, junk they're not going to be they're not going to be like uh like oh i want to is going to occupy my mind what a psychological um thing it it means it's not a normal thing to walk around the whole day and thinking about chocolate this is crazy but that's what happened all the time so they're using a very very um uh, 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 extreme word definite hospitalization i mean who goes to the hospital because you have a craving? I mean, it's not normal, but that's who I am. But they're telling me that this craving is not gonna is not gonna be there all the time. Wait for it. Wait for it, you know? And um yeah, it's it's hard. And as our um uh, 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 the person who shared before me, Tamara, so so well said that these the steps they they occupy more than my mind. I mean everything. I got to understand these steps, and th- there's no way that I can understand a lot of things that'll help me. That'll really help me get rid of this 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 allergy uh, that I have and and these 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 things you know if if I just concentrate and 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 do these steps and and learn how to get along with people and people that I never get along with and 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 and, and understand that I have a problem over here and I got to get rid of that in order to be able to become a better person and um yeah, okay. With that, I will pass. Thank you. Well, thanks so much, Leah S. Larry K., come on up, and you'll be followed by Rosie W. Good morning. Good morning. This is Larry K., recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Thanks for your service. So, of course, the alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor uh, before these, these measures can be of, of maximum benefit. You know, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about some, you know, some metaphors, analogies to, um, to this. You know, I want to talk to you about my experience with imposter syndrome. 
Okay. You know, and that's uh, because I was not willing to put the food down for quite a while early in program. And imposter syndrome really is, is just this notion, this persistent fear of being exposed as a fraud. Now, I don't want to overstate it or be melodramatic, but the reality is as long as I was eating, in my heart of hearts, I knew, I knew that the steps, at, at, at best, if I'm trying to work the steps and not being separated from my alcohol foods, at best, I'm, I'm going to get limited benefit. I knew that. That was pretty clear. And so um, I felt feelings of inadequacy. I was as sick as my secret. I kept the secret. There was anxiety surrounding it and self-doubt and, and, and leading to negative impact on my mental well-being. And when I feel those feelings intensely, you know what works? A Hershey bar, <laughs> right? So, so that, that, that's one thing with my experience of not being willing to separate myself from, from these, these alcohol foods. And um, for me, you know, another thing is, is that um, I can't begin the process of having a complete psychic change, you know, and, and not just any psychic change, not just any spiritual awakening, one that is characterized by a profound shift in my perspectives, um, heightened empathy, and a renewed sense of purpose and service, you know, that's sustainable. And I can't have that as long as I'm continuing to eat. If I'm trying, you know, continuing to eat and trying to work the steps, it's like a soldier and I'm completely surrounded by the enemy. And I'm going to attempt to surrender by, you know, waving that, I got the white flag in my right hand and I'm waving it so that all the enemies can see, please do not shoot me. And yet I'm brandishing my weapon in my left hand. And that is this, this dual nature of, of trying to, you know, trying to have it my way at the same time. I'm going to surrender, but I'm also going to protect myself. And, and carrying that weapon is the equivalent of us continuing to eat while we're trying to surrender through the implementation of these steps to a power greater than ourselves. So for me, that's an exercise in futility, right? And, and, I, and I can't do that. I have to be separated. If I need a hospital stay, if I need, if that's what's required, like for these early alcoholics, that's fine. But in most cases, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to have to use the tools to support me as I wrap up here. I'm going to have to use, use the tools to support me while I go through that period of uncomfortability that comes with detox. With that, I'll pass. Thanks so much. Thanks, Larry K. Rosie W., you are up. You'll be followed by Loretta H. Thank you very much. Um, my name's Rosie W. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in the UK. Um, really good to be on the line. Thanks. Thanks for hearing me there. Um, this this passage brought to mind the um, the notion that um, some some of us practice that. Um, a sponsee is ideally absent for a minimum of 48 hours before starting the steps, which is um, an idea that I appreciate not everyone is on board with. And um, I recently had a sponsee who, who asked me to, um, I think she wasn't convinced, and she asked me to sort of send her all of the passages in the big book where it um, where it states this. And I think I found three, maybe four um, references in these pages, in, in Vision for You and Personal Stories. And, and then I stopped and I called her and, and I said, you know what, actually, 
I can send you these if you like, but what it really boils down to for me is the difference between who I am in the food and who I am when I've had a couple of days out of the food. Here are some of the things um, that I do when I'm in the food. I lie routinely, compulsively to everyone. I shoplift food. I steal food from shops, from supermarkets, from other people's cupboards. I trust nobody. I send manipulative text messages or emails. I'm somebody who walks around with chocolate concealed up my sleeves or in my pockets or even in my underwear at times. That happens. Um, I'm somebody who will order a second or even a third lunch at the staff canteen and, you know, tell the serving staff that it's for my boss. Um, or just not look them in the eye because I've, I've run out of lies. Um, and actually, when I look, um, I'd been, I think I'd been abstinent for four, four and a half years when I did some very powerful outside work and decided that I was no longer powerless and no, no longer needed OA. And I was out for five years and I, you know, I was back in the food very quickly in that time. And I remember one night, um, my partner was looking after our baby and I was down, down the stairs in the kitchen, round the corner where he couldn't see me, making my third round of buttercream icing for, straight into a bowl and just eating it. And making sure he didn't find me. And I'm a highly educated woman. And yet that was business as usual. I could not see what I was doing. And this is what it boils down to for me. This is why I need a hospital procedure of some sort. Be it 48 hours, be it, you know, whatever, however you need to build it into your own life. Um, and it's, it's, it's very simple. I cannot discern between sane and insane when I'm in the food. And most importantly, I cannot tell myself the truth. And if I can't tell myself the truth, then I don't have step one. I have no hope of taking this this step, which, you know, we're told so often is the only step we need to take perfectly. So that, to me, I don't need the big book references. <laughs> I actually just need my own personal experience, which tells me I'm not ready to hear the steps. I'm not ready to hear anything when I'm in the food. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's just the suggestion that I offer to people that I work with, um, because I know who I was and I know how disconnected I was from reality um, in the food. And I can only pass on my own experience. And with that, I'll pass. Uh, thanks, Rosie W. from the UK. So just a reminder to everyone just getting on, we are on page XXVII, seventh paragraph. Of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed, ending with before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. And we also ask that if you've shared in the last three days that you hold back so others other voices can be heard too. So Loretta H., and we have taken a list of names. We will be taking another list of names and after a couple of people. Loretta H., you're up, and you're followed by Wanda R. Loretta, go right Barbara, ahead. Good morning. If Charles needs to go first, I can wait till after him. Yeah, it's okay. We've got plenty of time okay. for everybody. Unless okay. Charles reported okay. time, let us know that. But you know, otherwise we've got plenty of time. If Charles, Charles, if you're short on time and have to get in, or we're going to lose you, please let me know. But if not, Loretta, you go ahead and start, and then the, the Charles will let me know. Okay. Thank you, Barbara, and thank you all for, um, along with my precious God, for saving my life. Recovered for today in North Carolina. Today is day 8,401 days of freedom. It talks about freedom in this book. And I have been free um, since that day. It's not that um, 
I, and I get my effect today from God because I do have both diseases. And I loved what the first share talked about the effect from God. You know, my food and my food behaviors and maintaining a healthy body weight are a tool for me. And the spiritual, emotional, and physical recovery is the result of living and working the OA 12-step program on a daily basis. And I did have a period of hospitalization. I was very fortunate. I had a spiritual experience the first day. I met my sponsor in Central Park, and everybody knows the story, gave her my food. And we actually got to work together for two years every single day. She would run to an AA meeting, never having a drink in her life, picking up the, the this book, sharing this book with me. But the hospitalization was that she actually came to my home, took everything out of my cabinets that was not good for me. She knew my story. She's kind of my story. And she was a nutritionist. So I actually had the privilege and the uh, pleasure of working with a nutritionist for um, over um, two years. And this is not why, but that effect of God was there from day one, because that's the only effect, especially for an anorexic, because I still love the idea, and I'm, I covet it, and I know that, but today I love God more, and because of that, I've been free for that long, and because I do practice the principles in all my affairs, and the first principle is honesty. When I finally shared my first day of honest work with Joan. So I am just so grateful. Um, yes, all of this is a fact, but it says the fact, and I, I'm going to finish this with what I read today. The fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have the power of choice, have lost the power of choice to drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. So today, everything I eat is a privilege. And if I abuse that privilege, I lose that privilege. And because I have God, I get the effect from him and not from the starving or the food. And with that, I pass. Barbara, thank you. And I love the shares this morning. They were spot on. Great. Thanks for Red age. Wanda R., you're up, followed by Elise N. Good morning, and uh, thank you so much. And uh, my heart uh, goes out to all of you. I love all of you. And Rosie, um, I am going to pray for you, and I can relate. And um, I'm, I'm just... Uh, I've been in the program uh, since I was 23, and I'm almost 71, and um, I've been abstinent since 1985, uh, March 6th, I mean March 10th, so I'm coming up on the anniversary, and it can be done, it can be done, it can be done, and uh, don't give up, and um, now I'm working on trust. I'm working on um, trusting my husband, who uh, is the kindest man and um, most loving man. 
and um, it's very hard to um, have that psychic experience of um, accepting love and loving in return and not um, doing things that are negative, um, like showing off and bragging and, you know, over-complaining and uh, just relaxing, you know, just uh, being myself, of course. You know, I can't be anyone else, really, because uh, I'm all I have, and um, I have to change. I have to have that psychic change. It just keeps happening. It just keeps, um, you know, going deeper and um, loving even more. I used to love people, um, and now I love my husband. I I can focus my love. I can uh, share uh, and um, grow into um, I'm abstinent, um, and he's a chef, and he cooks uh, abstinent food. Believe how lucky I am, um, and um, I've had uh, so many hospitalizations. It's incredible, um, and I just feel like this is a you know, what I'm living right now is a whole other hospitalization because I, I can appreciate life uh, and um, not insist on my way, not be selfish, not gossip, not... Time. I appreciate that. And uh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you. I love you. Uh, thank you, Wanda. Or Elise N., you're up, and you'll be followed by Charles H., and then we'll be taking another list of names. So, Elise, step right up. Hi, this is Elise N. Um, thank you for your service, and thank everybody for being here, especially those that are um, still suffering and, and may be afraid to share. Um, please share. Um, I, I'm... I was moved by this paragraph because um, there have been many times when, you know, or people have said to me that, you know, they've worked the steps or they want to work the steps first or they've seen people working, not working the steps first, working, um, yeah, working the steps before um, the food is down and they'll say that there's nowhere in this book that it says that the food should first be down and they get spiritual before they get the physical and this is exactly where the book says that the food should be down um, before uh, it works. And um, that's a kind of a scary prospect for somebody who's eating their head off, you know. And I know that um, my sponsor, you know, I just wanted to share, I had shared last night at a meeting, but um, I shared my story. But my sponsor was with me for those two days. I still you know, um, wrote down my food. I still turned it over. I still, you know, texted before and after meals. And um, 
she gave me um, the podcast to listen to on, you know, the doctor's opinion or, you know, whatever, the, on, on different things to, to do, um, you know, to start writing my history. There were different things that I was, I was doing, and she said I could call her, you know, any time, day or night, if I wanted to eat, and I could call other people. Um, it wasn't just, okay, you go on a diet for two days. Like I'd had never really, I'd done in the past, but I white knuckled it. This was, I'm going to hold you, I'm going to hold you in my arms while you're doing it. And um, so I I believe I have a PhD in relapse. Um, I've been in this program a long time, 30 years before I came to vision and I really have um, gotten recovery. Um so my name's Elise said I'm on the member list if anybody's going through relapse or is having trouble and wants to call I'm there um and I just I'm going to pass and have a great day everybody Thanks Elise and Charles H you're up and then we'll take another list of names Thank you very much for your service I know who I am, so I ain't got to wait a second to my name again. Um, so, of course, an alcoholic um, should be free um, physically before psychological measures can be uh, taken. You know, and as previous years have said so eloquently, um, we, we've, had, we've had occasionally a few sick uh, people come on the line and try to uh, come against this particular paragraph, where are at now? Hopefully safe. But, you know, of course, which means without, it, it shouldn't have to be even mentioned that you should be free. And, and, and let me drill down on the hospital procedure, right? Like in, in, in 1934 and in the 30s and the 40s, they really, really went to hospitals, right, like to get separated from alcohol. You know, uh, our founder, our co-founder, both of them went to hospitals, right? And and they, but so, so that is the that is a blueprint. I think too much times in Overeaters Anonymous, we got we got nowadays architects trying to build new build a new program. It ain't gonna work, champ. Like this this is this is how it works. So and 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 you know what? Like white knuckling, yeah, for for for, for forty eight hours to seventy two hours. You know, I know we talk negatively against white knuckling, but we have no program when we're in the incubation period. We have to grit it, and it's tough. No cap. That means no lie. That's a bonus for no lie. No cap. It's tough. But there's an old Jamaican saying, if you want to be good, your nose have to run. And, 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 and your nose running, it don't feel comfortable. You feel congested. You feel messed up. Everything's bothering you, and right, like, and, you know, even in business for you, you know, Bill D, it talks about on the third day he made a decision to turn his will and his life over, and, and, and the promises got good. And in closing, like, the last page of the doctor's opinion gives two examples. I think one is Lance and the other one is, is the other one. But it says they couldn't recognize him. Here's a doctor's opinion promise. A, a, a little while later, they could not recognize him. So all you people that's weight watching and all that, they couldn't recognize him. If you follow this yellow brick road and don't try to be an architect 
of your own recovery, you will recover, and you will be amazing, and you will be another stand on the beach, and you will sponsor people if they want to be sponsored, and you will be a part of the solution and not the problem. And with that, I pass. Great. Thanks, Charles H. Okay, so we'll take another list of names. Let me remind everybody where we are. Page XXVII in the doctor's opinion, seventh paragraph. Of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed uh, through the end of that paragraph, one sentence only. And we're sharing on that. So who else would like to share? Okay, no, sorry, didn't didn't get it, didn't get anybody. So start again. Sherry D from Maryland. Okay, let me tell you who. Sorry, who was M from Maryland? Riska M. Riska, gotcha. Darian. Yeah, Darian, Deborah. Let me stop there for a sec and tell you who I have, and then see who I missed. Who already spoke? Um, Pete B. I think I heard Honeyetta, Sherry, Riska M, Darian K, Deborah. Was Lisa? Was Lisa? Okay. Let me stop there because I think that's all we're going to have time for. Let's see how we do. And I may have messed up one or two of those or three of those names. So just correct me when you come up. And Pete B, you go right ahead. Thanks, Maharaja. That was a, that was a tough one. Of you, you, you navigated it well. My name's Pete B. I'm a I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm recovered today by God's grace and mercy in Pennsylvania. And you know, um, a lot of times I think I hear in Overeaters Anonymous this comparison to alcoholism, and what they're referring to here is that you know alcoholism with the consumption of alcohol where your body is dependent upon it like these chronic alcoholics were requires hospitalization because the withdrawal from it is deadly you'll get seizures your your life can actually end from stopping taking the alcohol in so the alcoholic has to be weaned off so what they're referring to here is that the alcoholic needs to be need to be separated from alcohol, and that may require medical intervention. Now, we get we get dependent on our substances, but many of them are you know exist in nature, and many of them you know nobody's going to die from not having a Hershey bar, and nobody's going to die because they can't go to the bakery. And it's, I, I understand that we want to, we want to, we want to, you know, paint the picture of it being, you know, significant and hospitalization and, you know, it may be necessary. So we create this, you know, this idea of, you know, the hospitalization period so much. So it's, it's become a part of our vernacular, you know, we kick it around and instruct people like you're going into the hospitalization phase and that's fine. Right. But, but, but we should really like, like that we should be telling the truth. Do I have to go to a rehab, a detox, or whatever it is to separate myself from food? I know, I know that I didn't. But that doesn't minimize the significance of the condition. It doesn't mis- minimize the severity of the condition. And for me, for me, the hospitalization period was not, a, was not going to a physical space and denying my family of the things that they like to eat and they want to eat. Hospitalization was a mindset, a mindset that no matter what happens under any and all conditions, 
I will keep myself away from those substances. If it involves locking myself in my office or my closet to stay away from it, well, then I'm going to do it. Right? And it was, more, it was more a matter of taking the condition as serious as the condition is in order to not cause the phenomenon of craving to kick in. Right? Alcoholics, you know, they, they, they say for two days because alcohol is a neurotoxin. You can't think clearly in order to process information effectively. So it needs to be out of our system, and that takes two days. The phenomenon of craving for me, I know from I don't know about anybody else, the phenomenon of craving from the substances that I ate lasted way longer than two days. I was still craving food longer than two days, but my mind was clear from the numbing and the and the, you know that place that we go when we consume too much of these substances enough to start embracing what this book has to say about the condition, about our condition, compulsive overeating, right? I never, I'm never going to, I'm never going to not be a human being. I will okay. always get an effect from food. I will always get one. It satisfies what the creator put inside me. And I, I think we need to stop pretending that that doesn't exist. And with that, I'll pass. Great. Thanks, PP. And hi, Yetta, did I hear you? Yes, you did. did I... Thank you so much. All right. You are up. You'll be followed by Sherry. Okay. This is Hanayeta R. from Texas. And thank you so much for your service. Um, I'm so grateful for the people who are doing all the service. And one day I'll be able to do that, too. I'll be able to do that when my ego is totally deflated. It's I think, still running around in me trying to be active, but um, that's I try not to share too much. But this really um, hit me, and I, first of all, I'm so grateful uh, that um, on on a Friday, actually the Friday after Thanksgiving, I asked uh, my sponsor if she would be able to sponsor me, and she didn't know because somebody else also had asked. And the whole weekend, I prayed that the other person decided not to work with her because I really wanted her to be my sponsor. And on Monday, she said, okay. And from that Monday, which was uh, November the 24th, I've, uh, I've, I've been able to put down the foods, the alcoholic foods. And we talked about those, and we just, we didn't agree on some of them, and we, um, we we really decided on, you know, we, we really had to discuss them. Um, but I know that if you don't, for me, if you, and apparently for a whole lot of people, because it says it in the big book, if you don't put out the food first, then it just isn't, you know, as as good. And in, and and I have tried to to sponsor people that were still in the, that were still eating to do it that way first. And, and I've sponsored different, way different ways in the past because I had been in the program for a long time before this three-year leave of absence. And I'm just so grateful I'm, I'm here today and I'm alive. And my life is so unmanageable that I, I didn't think it was unmanageable. And that's how it came in many years ago. 
I didn't think I was unmanageable. And now today, I may not have been so unmanageable in my life, but my illnesses are killing me, literally killing me. And so I am on death's door, like it said yesterday or the day before. But I am on death's door, and I really have to... I really have to work this program, and I can't let and I can't let go. Or I have to let go, and I have to let God, as my understanding, take care of me because I don't know how to take care of me. I hate crying. Thank you so much for allowing me to share, and thank everybody for their shares. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Hanietta. Uh, Sherry, you're up, followed by Rivka M. Quick reminder, we are on XXVII, seventh paragraph, beginning with, of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed. Sherry, go right ahead. Thank you so much for your service. I appreciate it. Sherry D., compulsive overeater in Maryland. Oh, I am so, so, so very grateful that when I came into this program, I knew I needed to get a sponsor, and by the way, I'm claiming my seat today because I know I cannot do this alone. Um, I was so very fortunate to find someone that had what I wanted, asked her to be my sponsor, and she immediately put me to work. And one of the one of the homework assignments I had was listening to a podcast on this particular chapter, and the woman I was listening to described the hospitalization period. And for me, it made so much sense that my hospitalization period was, um, you know, following the guidelines of, for me, for me, 90 meetings in 90 days. They had to be literature meetings because a good cook cooks by the book. Um, I needed to start working the steps. Um, But I did need to have a food plan. I think I can have abstinence without recovery, but I personally cannot have recovery without abstinence. So I did have to figure out what my alcoholic foods were and then make a commitment on a daily basis that those would not be a part of my life. And my hospitalization period was to be very gentle with myself. No major life changes Um, You know, no need to go to restaurants every day. I needed to have a safe place to go through my hospitalization. And this is one of my safe places, right? (laughs) You, You all are my safe place. Meetings, being surrounded by recovery, being surrounded by um, people who are not just talking the talk, but walking the walk and doing what they did and what they do. And that's why I keep coming back. And um, that's it. I pass. Very grateful to be here. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks so much, Sherry D. Rivka, Rivka M., you are up. Yeah, hi. Good morning. Thank you so much. Um, I am Rivka M. from Maryland, a compulsive overeater. Um, working towards recovery, um, and I love this reading. Um, I love all the readings. My experience was a little different in the sense that when I came into the rooms, um, I, I think a lot of people say I came in for the weight loss. I came in for for help because I knew I got to that point where 
the one thing I did know is that I could not do it by myself. I tried, I tried, I tried, and I, I got to that place at least where I knew there was no way I could do what I needed to do with my weight by myself. So I came here. And, um, but I ate because I liked food. I didn't eat. I didn't know I ate for any emotions or anything like that. I ate because I liked food, because I wanted food, and because I couldn't not eat. Um, it was just, it, I mean, it was just something I always wanted and thought about and needed. Um, so um, when I started working with a sponsor, I didn't really think about the fact that we weren't, like, working the steps yet. We were working on the food because, to me, that's what was the important part anyway. Um, and it wasn't until I was in that in that detox stage where I, I had the experience where I dropped my son off at, at um at his play group one day and he had special needs and I heard him crying as I was leaving and I felt really sad and I found myself searching like almost frantically for chocolate. I was like walking up and down the rooms looking for chocolate and I'm like, I stopped midway and like hit me like a ton of bricks. Like what am I doing? Why in the world? You know, I've been in this program. I've been working this program, working the food, you know, at that point, why am I looking for chocolate now? That is so random. And it hit me. Oh, my gosh. I'm sad. And I know chocolate will fix that. And that was really such a gift. I did not get the connection before that. And to be able to see that, like, no, I am using food to help me get through life and now see that I have to put that down and there's got to be something else to help because I can't live in, like, these emotions. They're just, it's just too overwhelming otherwise. Um, and I just think for me that that's a huge gift also going forward because because I got to that point, because I was able to see so strongly that I was using food to help me with my emotions and that I can't do that, um, it just makes me realize just, just how much truth there is in each step. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm getting close to step 12 and, and sponsoring, and that's something that I keep just trying to remind myself. Like every time I see it in the big book, it's like okay. something. Okay, thank you so much. Something's bothering, bothering you? Go help somebody. Anyway, I am looking forward to that, and I'm really grateful to be able to share. Um, and thanks so much, everybody. Uh, thanks, Riska M. Thanks, Darian K. You're up, followed by Devorah. And I think if you each take two minutes or two and a half minutes, we should be good. Oh, hi, Barbara. This is Darian K. in the Berkshires in Massachusetts. Gratefully recovered today. Oh, and so grateful to be online with all of you. And just so good to hear everybody. Um, you know, this is what we do in this Vision Few meeting, right? We read this, read this information take it in our heart, you know, and we think about it and then we, you know, express what it means to us. And I, and I love the, the variety of expression here. Um, and for me, excuse me, excuse me, I, um, you know, I know that when I first came in, I really thought about this like a diet. I didn't know any better. Um, and so for me, I wanted, you know, I wanted the food plan. You know, I didn't know anything about the steps. I didn't know that I needed to do work inside of me. I wanted to do all the outside work. Um, and so I, I think a lot of us come in that way, looking for that. And so 
Um, you know, I needed I needed sort of a uh, direction in that regard of you know somewhat of a food plan, or to see nutritionist for a food plan so that I could you know at least have uh, solid information um, about you know what I what I should be eating, what I shouldn't be eating. Um, and when I talk to um, people in relapse or people that are new, um, you know, I often suggest making a checklist as a tool. Um, that's just what I do anyway, because I think that, that <clears throat> those nine tools can, um, can really uh, be super helpful in the very beginning. Um, it kind of gives you something to do instead of picking up the food, you know, making the phone calls going to meetings, doing some writing, reading the literature, you know, all of those things um, helps us put space between, you know, picking up the food, um, you know, and then eventually, obviously, doing the steps because, you know, that is that is the crux of it. That's the that's the, the important information that we need to to get so that we can have sustainability um, in this program um, and keep the food down. Um, you know, and, and and so it won't be a temporary fix like all the other things. So, um, yeah, I'm just so grateful. I'm grateful for this meeting, and I'm grateful for all of you, and grateful to be in recovery today. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Darian. Darian Kay. And Devorah, you are up. Lisa, Jr. I'm so sorry. I don't think we're going to get time for you, but so uh, two minutes, Devorah. Hey, good morning, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for being here and giving such service. I'm Deborah S. Recovered Compulsive Overeater from New Jersey. And, you know, this reminds me, you know, it talks about, I, I prayed for this. I prayed, oh, if only I could get into a hospital and put me away and take the key and just leave me there. And then maybe this will help me. This will this will get me to wear a thin body because, you know, when I, I, I it would take away the food and I'll lose the weight and then everything will be great, right? I'll be in a thin body and, 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 and I'll move on and then things will be great. But, you know, all these years later, in my head, you know, I thought that was the truth, right? I didn't know all the other aspects, the emotional, the spiritual, things that I needed to grow in order to to achieve that. And so, you know, I'm praying for that hospitalization. And sure enough, you know, um, when I was uh, 25 years ago, I was pregnant. I, had, I was 280 pounds, high-risk pregnancy. I had diabetes, high blood pressure. And the doctor says, we have to monitor you. We're putting you in the hospital because your sugars are out of control. And if you want to give birth to a live baby, we need to monitor you and make sure that things, you know, are okay. And sure enough, I, and they monitored me. Oh, boy, did they monitor me. Every little piece of morsel of food that went into my, my mouth, they, they took care of and they checked me and they whatever. And, and thank God I had a normal, healthy baby. And soon after that, I came out of that hospital and I said, Oh, boy, that was like I, I saw I needed to do something. I saw that, you know, I could not, I could not continue like that. Um, the hospitalization was a great, it was a great start for me, but I couldn't live like that. And I, someone had spoken to me about OA, and I joined. And thank God, you know, in the beginning, it was working the tools. That was that was that really kept me um connected, getting into the, working the tools, it was a very tool-based program, um, but I knew, but, and then it led me into working these steps, and thank God, and that is where the real freedom is, putting down the food, getting connected, working the steps, and, and being free, 
And that is where the real that psychological change happens. And I'm just so grateful because um, because it's what I do each day. And, uh, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Great. And I, don't have to be yeah. up, and I don't have to be locked up in a hospital and, you know, to have the freedom. So I'll pass. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Devora. So thank you, everyone who shared. Uh, and please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And Lisa J.R., I hope you can hang in for a few minutes and, um, and share then. So today's share ID, this meeting that's just closing, is 21014, 21014. And we'll now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Well, let's see who's reading our closing, Crystal. Oh, well, Crystal, will you read our closing for us this morning? Hi, good morning. This is Crystal R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Toronto, Canada. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.